Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this current series, we've been talking about CIC issue number 122. You can find that at the website CICministry.org, and the title is The Gospel as the True Armor of God, Deliverance from Demons as Transfer of Dominion. Now, before we get into our actual topic for today, I want to take a minute. Somebody asked what Hellenistic means. We've been talking about Hellenistic magic in Ephesus. So Helen was the Greek patriarch. The Greeks never called themselves Greeks. It's the Romans who called them Greeks because Helen was the patriarch. They called themselves Helens or Hellenes and their land was Hellas. So as Greek culture spread around the Mediterranean, especially through the time of Alexander the Great, the other cultures became Hellenized, which means they spoke Greek, they adopted Greek culture, they had become Hellenized. And so you can just substitute the word Greek in your mind if that's easier. But when we're talking about Hellenistic Jews or Hellenistic magic in Ephesus, we're talking about the Greeks and their influence on the culture. Do you, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, that, thank you. That's, that's good background to know. And really, this is what you see in the book of Acts. Yeah. And so when there would be people who had joined themselves to the synagogue, who admired the monotheism of the Jews and joined, but didn't want to be circumcised. And they were, God-fearing Greeks. Yes. That doesn't necessarily mean they were from Greece. That meant they were Hellenized. Right. They, they were culturally Greek. Right. And they were speaking the Greek language. Right. And that's why we see, you'll often hear us re refer to the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, because many of the Jewish people by that time spoke Greek. Right. And that was actually a major... Jewish contribution to the Greek culture, in my opinion, because the scholars that translated, I know there are some mythical stories about how that all happened, that they ended up with the Septuagint. But yeah. as a matter of fact, they did end up with it. It was done by Greek-speaking Jews, and it was a major uh, piece of literature, if you just want to look at it that way. Right. A fantastic piece of literature written in the Greek language, and it was the Bible. Right. Okay. And not to belittle the Hebrew contribution, because the thoughts and everything else, the content comes from Moses and the prophets. But they had translated that into Greek. And to show how important that was, that Septuagint, now that means 70, okay, mm -hmm. made by the 70. Their uh, idea was there were 70 scholars that did it. Now, that's cited as scripture in the New Testament. Right. It's, it's not just theologians today that cite the Septuagint. The, right. the Greek-speaking authors of the New Testament did as well. And Luke especially did, often in Luke-Acts. And so... 
that's uh, to our benefit to understand that. And so as we deal with some of these issues and, and go to the Greek New Testament, we're also learning from what God used from this translation that had been around a few hundred years, actually. So it had been in circulation and it was very well respected and had been from 200 and something like 280 something AD and from Alexandria and Alexandria was certainly an area of much scholarship. Right. And so in that time, that was kind of almost the scholarly headquarters of the world. Exactly. And so what Rome did, they had a system of government that was very efficient, very well run. And we see that also in Acts as Paul appeals to different civil authorities. And so with the Roman system of government and travel and, tra and so on, transportation, and the Greek culture and the Greek language, there was a great situation in God's providence for Christianity to quickly spread throughout that whole part of the world. Right. The Pax Romana gave them safe travel and good roads that that the, the apostles and, and the early church actually used to their advantage to spread the gospel. Yeah, and the Greek language gave them some very powerful words that, and we'll look at that in some of our future episodes, that carefully describe things that help us understand the gospel. Right. Yeah, in, in great detail, very precise language, very powerful language. And not and I'm not saying anything to slight the value of Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it was the Hebrews who gave us the oracles of God, as Paul says. Right. We got to use the Greek for the apostles to precisely spell out things and for this to spread around the world. So that's what Hellenization is or what it means to be Hellenized. So with that background, the next thing I have to get to in our discussion here is Clinton Arnold's material, which is very valuable about the religious situation in Asia Minor, which okay. was very much a Hellenistic culture, and their religions were polytheistic. Right. There was a lot of fear of faith. So let me give a, a quote of, of several sentences from Clinton Arnold. I think that'll help us understand because misunderstanding of this is leading to problems even today where people have spiritual warfare doctrines that are more like what the pagans had than what is taught in the New Testament for Christians, okay? All right. So let me read, according to Arnold, quote, believers in these young Christian communities lived in a milieu characterized by flourishing magical practices, the renowned Artemis cult, and a variety of other Phrygian mysteries and astrological practices, beliefs. Yet a single common feature may be discerned among all the religious diversity in Western Asia Minor. Then he says, people had an extraordinary 
fear of the hostile spiritual powers. Through their practices and rituals, local religion and magic claimed to offer relief from this oppressive fear and even promised means of control over the dreaded demonic realm. I'm going to stop for a moment. Okay. From interaction with CAC readers and people who find us on the web now, email and so on, that fear is still out there. Yes, it sure is. It very That's much probably helped. our number one topic people contact us about. Right. I just this last week got a couple more contacts that asked about it. And uh, it's serious. And people are very, very concerned. And so we're, we're here to help you. We're, help you. we're here to help you understand things from a biblical worldview. And sadly, right. most of the curse-breaking and deliverance teachings that are popular in the church uh, have more in common with these pagan religious ideas that were popular in Asia Minor, where Paul went and preached and taught and where he wrote his letters to Colossians, uh, Galatia, Ephesus, Ephesians, and so on. And we want to de-paganize the church. We want to see, want you to see, dear saints, that the gospel comes in with something different. It's not a new way of controlling the demons. It's not a new way of being masters of our own destiny or getting away from bad faith. It's a way to find truth, the forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God, the Lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives, and literally being God's inheritance, being part of that so that we belong to God and we no longer have to fear the demons and bad faith. Okay? Amen. That's what this is about. And you would think that everyone would say, wow, that's good news. I'm excited about it. But sadly, I can tell you after 30-some years of putting this out there, that in many cases, people aren't excited about it. They don't want to hear it. Okay? Yeah. Why? why? Why is that? Well, because they're thinking that if there's some practice or process that I can master, then I can take control of this and get the outcome I'm looking for. Right. And then they say, I know I'm a Christian and I have bad things in my life and I'm afraid they're not going to go away because I'm already a Christian and I have these things and you're telling me the answer is the gospel, which I've already believed. And so then I might have to live with things I don't like. So I don't want to, I don't like your answer. I'm going to go looking around and find curse breakers and exorcists. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what they do. Oh, I know. And it's amazing how difficult it is to convince people they're better off being directly under Christ and trusting him. Yeah. Now, with all, in all honesty, it's not that they don't want to trust Christ, but they don't like the symptoms that they are seeing or feeling. Right. 
and they've been subjected to false teachings. And the false teachers are telling them the reason you still have this is Christ expects you to figure this out and take some kind of action. He's not going to do it. Right. Okay. You need to find out where, where the curses came from. You need to do, uh, as we've talked in previous episodes, a survey of your own past. You need to figure out what's going on and you need to cast out the demons or you need to rebuke Satan or you need some deliverance minister to do this for you. And so they make it about symptoms, feelings in your own past or even other things like what other people did and not about the relationship. And they make it about us and what we need to do, not Christ and what he has done. Right. And so it's rather than relational, I keep telling them it's relational. Ephesians 1 is all about that. I just yes. now am finishing preaching through Ephesians, which I've been doing about twice a month over the last three years. And I finished the armor of God. And just yesterday, I preached on prayer. But Ephesians 1 is about that we're safe in Christ. And why? Because of God's counsel and God's decision from before the foundation of the world. But see, that's something that people are thinking, well, yeah, but I might still have these problems or fears or manifestations. There's things going on. And if it was going to be solved because I'm a Christian, then these things would all be gone. So I think maybe these other people have a better angle. They're going to give me a process I can do to deal with it. Okay, so Paul and his thorn in the flesh, what did he do? He went to God. And see, I've been citing that to people. And frankly, um, I get mixed feedback from people looking at that passage. Okay. I show them from the Greek that this thorn in the flesh is called an angel of Satan, angelos. Of Satan, okay. Called uh, Satan, a messenger of Satan, whatever, whoever it was, but it definitely came from Satan, right? I refer people to Job chapter one with Satan and Job. Job didn't do anything to cause what all happened to him, okay? Right. And so I point that out, and there's it's different, but people tend to be taken back because they're they're thinking, well, oh my. Paul asked for it to be taken away, and it wasn't. I don't want to hear that. Right. I understand, but that's going to require us to believe the promises of God. It is. And sometimes our bad symptoms or our bad situations are the very thing that God's using to sanctify us and work out his will. So we can just rest in that. Right. So we have to really get grounded in the promises of God and trust him to be in charge of his own spiritual universe. Because right. this other is so hopelessly complex, frankly, it won't solve your problems anyhow. You'll just get caught up in that and you'll be doing it forever. Right. There's too many variables. There's too many complexities. You can't even see these demons. We're not saying they aren't real. We can't see them. And uh, thankfully, 
and they're deceivers. You, you can't interview them like Bob Larson does and assume what you hear back is the truth. Nice. And if you think, well, if I say in the name of Jesus, then they have to tell me the truth. And then after that, I believe everything they say. No, because you're tempting God by even going there. Now, think about this. Maybe this will help. I really want to have ways to help people so that they aren't under all this fear and they can really take a step of faith and believe the promises of God. What about okay. your salvation? Now, everybody has a different story. But how many people ended up coming to Christ after a lot of horrible things happened to them? A lot. Right. That's not always the case, mm -hmm. but it's very common. So if that was you, think about this. All you went through, and everybody was a sinner before they came to Christ. They were dead sinners. We all were. Was it worth it to have to go through all that to find the truth of the salvation and eternal life? For me, it sure was. I think most people will say that. Yeah. Unless they were converted very young, most people are going to say that. So look at it this way. If it was worth going through whatever you did, and God used that to bring you to salvation through the gospel, is it worth going through something like Paul did or like Job did or whatever might happen if we just trust God's sovereignty to bring us to glory and let him deal with the demons or the curse. We're not cursed. We're blessed. That's, that's told to us right away early in Ephesians. We are blessed with all these blessings, the heavenly places. We're not cursed if we're Christians. So don't believe that teaching. But if sanctification involves going through things too, is it worth it? Or are you going to bail out now that we're dealing with sanctification? It's worth it. Friends, it is worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. See, it's worth whatever, because this is a temporary problem because it only pertains to this life. Yes. And we have the hope and assurance of eternal life. So I would say this. You don't want to go into that world of magic, of curses, of demons, of finding the names of demons, of interacting with the spirits, anything to get away from all that and get in to the word of God and believe the promises of God. Because if you look at the items of the armor that we lay out in this article, they're all gospel truths. Yes. And so we don't want to go back into that Hellenistic world of polytheism and magical practices. So... Let me continue. I was quoting Clinton Arnold. Although many of the new Christians in this area, Asia Minor, forsook their magical practices and burned their magical papyri, as Luke records, a good number would have been tempted to conflate their magical beliefs with Christianity. Right. And... Dear saints, that's exactly what's happening in our day. So 
Christians today are probably not tempted to go get their Artemis idol or consult magical papyri. What's the Christian version today? Well, you name it. How about a neogram? Right. Know, know your number and go through the processes associated with your number and your marriage will be happy and you'll understand your kids and your relationships will flourish. So we have our own forbidden world of magic that we've imbibed of. God forbid, but many have. Eastern religion in the form of contemplative prayer. There are so many. We've written articles and done uh, podcasts and radio on on many of these, and we'll continue to to warn you. But see, you don't want to go into that world. It's really a failure of faith. It means I don't believe the promises of God. I think if I take my Christian faith, most people aren't aren't saying they're giving it up. At least in theory, they're they're not. We're going to no. take Christian belief and add it to these new things. Right. Where did they come from? Well, from the East, from India, from ancient Roman Catholicism. They think if they get their Eastern religion from ancient Rome, it's somehow more Christian or palatable than if they got it directly from the gurus of India. But it's the same lying pagan ideas, okay? same mystical practices. And there's this syncretism of trying to combine Christianity with pagan beliefs. Now, this isn't new. It happened in Colossae, and that's addressed in the book of Colossians. Right. Yes. We can't do that. We need to have the purity of devotion to Christ. And we need to, and I know we keep saying this, but it's so important that you understand it. Christ is enough. It's not the gospel plus the Enneagram. It's not the gospel plus affirmations and renunciations. It's not the gospel plus any other system that you're going to add to it. It's resting in Christ. And we can look back at the example of Paul. He didn't say, why have I been whipped and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked? And maybe I need to go find out what happened in my past. He was anchored in the gospel. Right. He didn't go see what his bad fate was that it could maybe be canceled by a religious practice. Right. So we need to get a theology of the sovereignty of God that's laid out in the Bible. And right now we've been looking at Ephesians. It's very clear in the beginning of Ephesians. Right. And Ephesians is all about Christ and who we are in Christ. Right. And it starts with a decree of God from all eternity that we be his inheritance. And we'll, we'll deal that with that in a later episode. But let me give you an example here to show what's happening, how this conflation of the gospel plus pagan beliefs is entering the church. Okay. Okay. Here is a book called The Bondage Breakers by Neil Anderson. It says over a million of them sold. Okay. Now, I reject this book. There's some gospel truth in it, but it's syncretism. Yes. He knows about these things, but he thinks we have to do something more than believe the promises of God. Okay. Now, what if you're having problems? Here's Neil Anderson. What if you're having problems with your home, your room, or your apartment? 
there could be things going on there. It could be okay. curses. It could be residual spiritual stuff in your home. Right. Who knows who lived there before? Who knows what happened there? Who knows what happened on the land you now sit? Maybe at some point, some pagans worshipped there. I've heard all yeah. that. Let me show you Neil Anderson's prescription. It isn't believe that you are now gods. It, he, he has claimed you as his inheritance. We'll, we'll look at that in a future episode. Here's what he says. You're supposed to repeat this. Uh, pray this prayer aloud. Here's what he says. And he has a bunch of things um, where you thank God for the place you live. I here, I claim my home as a place of spiritual safety for me, my family, and ask for your protection from all the attacks of the enemy. As a child of God, raised up and seated with Christ the heavenlies. So we got that much right. Then he says this. Now you got to add to it. Okay. Here's the syncretism. I command every evil spirit claiming ground in this place based on the activities of past or present occupants, including me, to leave and never return. I renounce all curses and spells directed against this place. I ask you, Heavenly Father, to post your holy warring angels around this place to guard it from any and all attempts of the enemy to enter and disturb your purposes for me and my family. Wow. Okay. So you've heard us talk, friends, you've heard us talk about territory or domain. That's what happens when we think it's about territory. This is my house. This is my little piece of land where I'm in. I'm in Mankato, Minnesota. This is my little corner of Mankato, Minnesota. And I'm going to command all the demons to leave my little corner when that's not the issue. The issue is in what domain yeah. do I reside? It's about Christ our relationship. Or Satan's. Yes. It's, it's not about my physical address. I know. And so here you're going through. So it makes people feel good. You see this prayer that's prescribed very much like Rome has all these prescribed prayers for this, that, the other thing. And now the angels are around your house. The demons are out. The curses are gone. And you're going to sit in your house and no bad thing comes in. But you better be careful. You might get the newspaper and who knows what's in there. Better not do that. Oh, you might turn on the radio. Oh, and no. it's on the wrong station. Who knows? Or you might turn on the TV. Oops, here it comes. Here comes the curses. Oh. And the next thing you know, we're right back to Rome living in some little monastery somewhere taking oaths and trying to have no contact with anybody anywhere so that we can be more pious. Wow. And so Neil Anderson may be well-meaning, but this is paganizing the church. Your safety doesn't depend on repeating some prayer of invocation or renunciation or advocation. I don't know what you're doing, but you don't need to do that. You need to believe the promises of God. And you pray to God at the throne of grace about specific needs. I just preached on that yesterday in church. Okay. Yeah. And you're, some curse isn't going to sit there because of what somebody did in your house before you lived in it. Right. 
persons That's just are, not how this works. Blessing and cursing is relational. It's not geographical. Amen. Now, I tell this over and over. I preach on it. I write about it. I don't think they can defend their position, but their position is a thousand times more read and believed than what we're talking about. It sure is. Because I want to come back to this next week. Okay. I think we actually, there is a worldview for this, right? We would call it the warfare worldview. Right. I think we should come back and talk about that next week because it's such an important topic. And I found that people don't even think in that category these days. So we will come back to that. We are, boy, these, these times just go by so fast. How does this happen so quickly? It does. <laughs> this is going to end up being about a 20-part series, <laughs> well, but that's okay. As long as we're learning, it's worth it. It sure is. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you, you can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. 